delight to speak to you, Sam. Thank you so much for joining us. I think first things first, right? We obviously need to contextualize this scenario by understanding um, the, the practicalities and the outcomes, but also just the legal standing of how these things work. Mm-hmm. Death and taxes, as yeah. I said, are both guaranteed and sometimes at the same time. Uh, and maybe that's an important aspect for us just to bear in mind when it comes to winding up an estate, what that entails um, yeah. before talking about the implications of having a spouse or not. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think obviously the the first part about it is really on, um, you know, obviously if people are married, it will also be looking at marriage regimes. I think obviously the topic has really been flying around, especially in social media, looking at, you know, people getting married in community of property. I think that's the one that we really see Mm. as uh, a, a hot thing at this moment. To say that if now one of the the spouses passes away, what happens? You know, when it comes to assets, what happens when it comes to you know the debt that one has? So obviously that has you know a, a major um, you know legal implication in a sense that you know when you're married in community of property in particular, uh, you guys become one. So meaning that if one passes away, then technically at the time both of you you pass away in terms of now the state needs to be wind up and obviously that means that you know debt needs to be settled and now assets need now need to be transferred and i would like to also maybe just mention the issue of um you know obviously issue things like your life covers those other things then come into play which people should also need to understand to say that how do they fit into this whole process when now we know we we say that the state is liquid or is not liquid means that there's no money and what will then happen after that. But there is a, 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 a broader, I think, really conversation around it, just around the, the marriage regimes. Uh, but as well, if one you know has beneficiaries and they pass away and what should happen in that, in that regard. Mm. And that's very important because, as you say, uh, what we all want is a, a liquid estate as well uh, to make sure that there yeah. is something to actually work with. Let's talk about, yeah. uh, again, Kuku as an individual um, with a will and mm. clarity and a liquid estate will be very easy to wind up my estate. But if there was a yeah. mister in the background, uh, that does complicate yes. things, especially if you highlight the fact that, that uh, marriage contracts play a very critical role too unpack that for us, especially by going through the different types of uh, marital regimes or marital contracts that exist in the country. Mm. Yeah. So look, yeah, so I've touched on, on I've touched on the community of property. Yes. And then of course then you would have um, you know, marriage in well it with in accrual. So meaning that whatever that we we incur or we acquire, you know, from an asset perspective in marriage, you know, whenever now we whether we divorce, whether we pass away um, then there needs to be some, you know, obviously separations around it. But sometimes what I've realized is that when we look at now even the accrual side of things, because it seems like it's, it, it might be sort of like a favorite kind of messy team that a lot of people go into, because that still allows you, in a sense, to, to acquire assets. You know, so it's not as stringent as community of property, because now community of property, what it does, is that even if now you go and get dead, well, <laughs> it's supposed to be on the basis that if you go get dead, there needs to be permission from the other spouse. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, you do get 
um, you know, institutions that will bypass that pro- uh, process, um, especially with, you know, things like credit card or debt that is not like, you know, like property, because property, a lot of the banks will want, or the, the financial institutions, they will want the other spouse to basically consent, to say that, no, you guys um, are doing this together. But with the other, you know, debt, you'll find that one can take up, take up a car um, and then they can give them the car. Now, all of a sudden, you don't know that the other Ooh, liable for. Oh, sorry, we we got you there. Um, 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 we lost you for a moment there, uh, Gavin. You had highlighted that there are times when you don't know what the other party is liable for after asking for debt, right, or, or requesting yeah. assistance. Continue. Yeah. So what I, yeah. So what I was saying is that in terms of even in in community of property, what what needs to happen really there is that any debt that you know or agreement that one gets into. Um, the other spouse needs to consent. They need to say, okay, you know, I, I am also into this, um, you know, agreement because, of course, it, it means that we are one. But what we have picked up is that, you know, at times you'll find some, you know, financial institutions or institutions where, you know, they'll actually give you debt, uh, bypass that process, whereby you're still married in community of property, the other uh, spouse has taken debt, and then all of a sudden, maybe months later or years later, you find that actually they're in debt. Um, you didn't know anything about, and now you are liable for that. You know, so those are the things that also are very important when it comes, especially with couples. That at any given time, you always review, you know, what you guys have. You know, always pull out your your ITC reports, see the kind of um, you know debt one has, and that definitely will always help you. You know, as you navigate forward, and then of course then. You will also have, you know, marriage out of community of property. Mm. But I think that one, <laughs> somehow it has, you know, that you will think that the person doesn't love you. Or why do you want to now, <laughs> you know, and now do, you, you want to, hey, <laughs> you plan to divorce. Exactly. <laughs> these are you know? these conversations. I'll tell you. Tell I'll tell you. Most couples will say, "Yeah, that's that's uh, when when you know yeah. people start changing their positions, sitting in chairs, and and start questioning. What do you want from this relationship? Hmm? Like, yeah. Is it still your heart, or is it your 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 pocket that has brought you here? Exactly. But exactly. what I'm appreciative that you're highlighting is that ultimately these conversations need to be had because if you don't have them whilst you're living, it leads to further complications upon death. Especially Absolutely. again, where there's no clarity around not only the conditions or con- marital contract, but also yes. uh, your last living document that tells us what your last will and testament actually is. So, yeah. help us contextualize uh, the concerns around death at this particular point and, and winding up a spouse's estate. Yeah. So, um, obviously, what would happen there is that the the process. I think number one. Um, it's also very important for people to understand the issue of wills, mm-hmm. you know, um, because that is also a major thing. So, I mean, I, I run a company, Girlfriend International, and on that basis, whenever we have these discussions around, you know, to say, you know, how do you protect your assets? The number one thing that I ask when I come from, you know, in that estate part of things, you have a will. And it's so scary how many people don't have a will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear different stories. I'm not ready to die. And I'm like, I've been dying for 15 years, Mitch, because, you know, I've been having a will for 15 years. And <laughs> I like that you know, example. <laughs> so what do you mean? And and the scary thing, group is that a lot of even people have beneficiaries 
you have kids. Mm. And and now you have picked up that, you know, we also don't have more of your, your you know, mother and father kind of setup where now you have a child with somebody who's now married as well. So that also just complicates a lot of things because now if you pass away, technically they become a guardian. Um, well, depending on how it's set up, then that becomes a problem. So number one is the will, making sure that the will is in place because that will guide in terms of what needs to happen to assets um, that are there and then of course the debt that is there as well. And then of course that is the process where now you have the executor. So there are three things that are very important that we always need to understand. There's more, but I'll just cover on the three things that happens now when one passes away. And it, it all has to do with cost. Mm. And I don't know if we have heard that, you know, debt is actually very expensive. Yes. And there's even a line that, uh, you know, and it's still happening today. I thought it was, you know, people are bewitched, but it's still happening today, <laughs> even with all of this, you know, information that we have. Mm. Um, so number one is the executive fees, right? So yes. depending on who has your will, right? It could be a bank, it could be an attorney, um, you know, so somebody that will you nominate and say, when I pass away, they will now handle my affairs. You know, they will make sure that my debts are paid. They will make sure that my assets are then transferred to their rightful uh, beneficiaries. Number two, there might be possible estate duty. So estate duty, then it's, it's calculated on the assets that you have. So anything that will be above 3.5 million of those assets in terms of value, it's going to be taxed at 20%. Mm. All right. And, and then the last five million is important, right? Because as you mentioned, anything below very, that would be exempted, but above it will be exempted. And above yes. can also be three point six, right? Yes. Uh, so yeah. we need to be mindful yes. of that. We can't try to squeeze our way through through the threshold. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the last one is uh, possible capital gains tax. So obviously that speaks to if now you have those assets, let's say in this regard is prop properties. I bought these properties, um, the market value at 10 years ago, it was a million. Today, it's sitting at 10 million. So meaning there has been a 9 million appreciation in terms of the value. So that obviously, uh, it means that it now needs to be subjected to capital gains tax. Mm. And then what's also very important there is that we also need to be mindful as well when we do estate planning in terms of what are the best vehicles to use in terms of entities. Mm. Is it best now to buy in my personal capacity? Is it best to buy in a company? Or is it best to buy in a trust? Because all these entities now, you know, there has a way in which we can use them in order to get to our objectives. And again, that is why it's very important to then consult and sit with somebody that is professional to do that. Because again, that speaks to the tax element of it, but it also speaks to the protection as well uh, in terms of creditors. And the last part obviously being uh, our personal estate as well. Mm. Because if we're talking about me as Gavin, I only say that I'm an entity. Mm. So this entity, unfortunately, is going to pass away one day. So whatever that I own as an entity, can't stay with me because I no longer exist. So it now needs to be moved over to somebody else. Now there are things like transfer costs that can then come into play there. So you see the, the, the massive cost that can come through and by the time that your beneficiaries get anything or they don't even get anything, that's another thing. 
I'm glad you mentioned this because this is typically where people say, okay, well, if I am the entity, but I, I will not exist forever, this is where trusts come into play. And I, I'm aware that yeah. there's a living trust, but there's also different trusts that can exist upon your passing, yes. right? Um, um, so talk yeah. us through those concepts because they can be complex. Uh, a lot of criticism is, you know, shared around the, the tax yes. uh, implications. So I, I guess help yeah. us understand when one should consider this. Yes. All right. I'm glad you asked that. So that two main types of trust, right? So you have a testamentary trust and then you have an inter vivos trust. So a testamentary trust is the one that will kick in when I pass away. Mm -hmm. So it's where now, for example, I have two beautiful girls and then I say, okay, when I pass away, I mean, they're still, okay, the other one is now a bit older, but let's say they're still minors and I feel that at the time, if I pass away today, they, they are not mature enough to handle their finances. So then I can nominate a trust, um, my mother, I can even nominate an institution. So one of the things that we also advocating these days is that at least have an institution part of the, the trust set up because they will nominate somebody, you know, obviously because it's at the benefit of the, the child. So within that, you have people that can sit and say, okay, the child needs this because even family itself, you never know. You know, money, it's a problem, right? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. Someone else says, Kevin, can't Hey, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, I've seen somewhere. We don't know, but now too. Mm. So, so that testament trust, so it comes in. I, I would definitely recommend that for people that have kids and people that have beneficiaries, especially if they're minors, please make sure that you put that into place, yes. all right? Because it's going to help you. Because libo mamungan, libo mamungan, hey, whatever. So, yeah, so that's the testamentary trust. It kicks in when I pass away. Then you have the inter vivos trust. So this is a part of an entity. So those three entities that I mentioned, individual company and trust, that is what I'm talking about, a.k.a. living trust. So that is what you can use to purchase assets, and then you can also use to then uh, protect your assets. Because the beauty about that trust is that it's totally independent from Gavin as an individual. Yes. So whatever that is owned by the trust, it's not mine. Exactly. Gavin, this is also yeah. important for us to know. A lot of people tend to say, well, when she was alive, she was always indebted. So now that she's passed, she's still indebted. So uh, yeah. does the level of indebtedness still apply or offset the the value of the estate? And I ask this because typically this is where mm. families shrug their shoulders and say, well, we can't pay the tax. We can't pay these fees and penalties. We can't yeah. even pay, pay the executor's fee because yeah. this person didn't have money. Does that have any yeah. grounds? It, it, it definitely does. And that is why it's absolutely important, Google, that we're, especially when we take up debt, let us always visit the protection that we have in terms of when I pass away, what happens to this debt? Is there a credit life, something there that then helps me to say when I pass away, then it will settle the debt? Um, I'll mention one in terms of property, which is very, very critical. Um, and it's one of the drivers that we deal with from an education point of view, is that, you know, with a, a financial institution, normally they will uh, basically force you to get a credit life. But normally that happens like if you are a first-time buyer. Yes. And then after that, they somehow believe that you, you, you know what you're doing. But sometimes we don't take up that. So you basically look at the property, how much it is, 
how much I'm going to pay every month. And then we forget that we also have the insurance side of things there. Because then why did why did why did why did why did it up? Mm. But if I don't have that, that is still a debt that now sits in the estate. And then that now can lead to repossessions. It can lead to now that property being sold off. And and, and you can imagine if now I have kids who now need to have a home and even have an income that they derive from those properties. So then it becomes an issue. So we always need to look at that. Even the smaller Nyana ones, you know, uh, because they mount up, right? So we always need to look at, yeah, we always look at to say, is there insurance um, that if now something happens to me, not even death only, if I get disabled today, you know, and I can't work anymore, um, is this debt settled? You know, so we always need to interrogate. And I know that when you look at the, when you sign agreements, it's always nice, especially when you get the money. You want to get the money. So you just <laughs> want to get to that. Part. Yeah, let's sign. Please, uh, I sign. And then you want the money. But we don't interrogate um, basically what's written in, in, in those agreements. 100%. Uh, something else that's also so important that you've also highlighted is not just understanding the taxes that are associated with winding up in a state, but the executor themselves. This is someone who yes. wants to go through your paperwork, understand your assets, understand uh, how actually to, to, to wind up the estate. Yes. And it's quite a process, right? I think a lot of us think uh, it takes, what, two to three months, but it can be quite ex- uh, exhausting and extensive. It's, it can be a lot. And, and I think that's where we also need to understand it where things like life covers come in. And it's unfortunately the way they've been sold. You know, all along we knew, oh, should you die? Oh, yes. should you die? Yo, it's coming. <laughs> you know? but, but we don't realize that when, for example, when I pass away, you know, a lot of my things will be frozen, you know. Um, so now at that particular moment, let's say now I, I have kids, right? So they depend on my income every month. So they cannot wait until the estate is wound up for them to, to live. So there still need to be money coming through. So things like your life covers can play a role um, because as much as they're calculated as part of your estate, but they now, you know, they pay up, you know, immediately when that institution says everything is clear. So the money will then be paid into another bank account that is nominated. And then all of a sudden that, uh, you know, there is liquidity because then that liquidity can then make sure that while everything is still taking place, then, you know, the family lives at the end of the day. So there's still money coming up to make sure that the kids go to school, they eat and everything else. Definitely. I, I'm glad you've touched on so many points that we do need to be mindful of and, and you know, the timing, the, 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 the consequences and also having the necessary risk cover. Uh, Gavin, I can imagine we've made some people uncomfortable in their relationships tonight. And that's we'll, my I'm point like, exactly. We'll, <laughs> we'll help you. We'll help you. And, and I just want to say that quickly to say that, look, yeah. w- with what we have done, you know, um, this is a very unconventional real estate company because we include financial planning as well, but we also do mental health awareness as well because we realize that all of these things play a part. We cannot look at the technical side of things while we don't look at the psychological side yes. of things. So that's why we also have hey. psychologists that we are working with. And yeah, we're just creating amazing programs that 
will help our people. Gavin, maybe tell us more about this. It just hit me because as someone who has lost a loved one as well, I know just how you know people can slip into depression, bereavement, yeah. can, can, can you know even make you lose track and not even care about winding up the estate because you're dealing with so much emotional trauma yeah. that the paperwork yeah. and the administration actually becomes so cumbersome. So help us understand yeah. typically how you guide people through these concerns and what you've also noticed, you know, um, it tends to weigh people down or even slow down yeah. the progress. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, as I said, we because we do have that. We do have financial planners. We have attorneys in house. So all of that, you know, basically we work together to understand. So we, we will help you from a psychological side of things. Our psychologist will be there, fully trained. Um, and then, of course, with, with regards to the paperwork, as you can you can say, I, I always try and simplify as much as I can because as much as we can sometimes. You know, we, we think just because you have degrees, you have studied, but whenever you go through trauma, mm. you know, you, you, we lose, you know, some, some rationality sometimes. And even the basic things that you know uh, might be very, you know, difficult at the time. And that is why we've just created a team where we basically understand what you're going through and we simplify all of these things from the process of now when it happens, what will happen. But obviously what we're trying to do now is that let's also fix before, you know, issues come up. So let's educate as much as we can uh, so that people know exactly what needs to happen. And, for example, always have a life file. A life file is where now you keep things there to who is your your executor, you know, who has your will. So if I drop down today, you know, my family needs to know who to call. And that person basically needs to know exactly what needs to happen and be transparent because you'll be shocked how many institutions are sitting with, you know, unclaimed funds because people didn't know that, you know, Gavin had an investment somewhere there, yes. had something there. Yes, you know, so you don't know. And plus, you daily, Honara in the marriages, we don't tell each other things. We are not transparent. About the other family. Yeah, you know. <laughs> That becomes a problem. <laughs> hey, Kevin, let's stop before we get ourselves into trouble. <laughs> but more than anything, I appreciate the honesty, the robustness, um, and the clarity that you've provided. Because the truth is, number one, the conversations need to be had. And number two, the steps to adequately Absolutely. plan then need to be followed up on. And number three, the family needs to know what to do. Um, because, yes. again, death is guaranteed. And unfortunately, we don't know uh, when yeah. it will happen. But the better prepared we are, then the, the more adequate the process and as you said, Absolutely. also following through with that journey with people who can offer you the necessary technical assistance, but also the emotional and mental support that's required because it's not an yes. easy journey. It's not. It's not at all. Definitely. Yeah. Gavin, always a pleasure speaking to you. So thank you so much for your time, sir. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. If you missed it live, catch the podcast on kaya959.co.za.